0: Before we get started, we have a quick question. Does your school have a good mentoring program for new teachers? Does it support administrators who run the program, train and support mentors in how to best help new teachers, and support new teachers by answering their questions and helping them to meet their biggest challenges?
1: We've mentored many new teachers, and we've had lots of conversations with the new teachers crying in their cars after school. That's why we created the new Teacher Navigator. We have everything that your school needs to run a successful mentoring program. It's online and very affordable.
0: If you or someone in your school or district is interested, check out our program at InspiredTogetherLearning.com or send us an email and we'll follow up. We'd love to help you support the next generation of teachers. The future of education depends on it.
1: And now we hope you enjoyed today's episode.
0: Have you ever been frustrated by self-care? Maybe you can't find the time to indulge in a yoga class, journaling, or meditation. Or maybe you can't afford a spa day, a massage, or even a latte. Do you indulge in self-care only to find that it feels good for a moment, but you quickly wind up stressed once again? Some of these things might be real self-care for you. What does that look like? How do you know if it's real self-care? We're going to talk about that today. Welcome to season two of the Inspired Together Teachers podcast. We're Paula and Michelle, award-winning educators
1: who've worked with thousands of teachers, and we know the struggles you face on a daily basis.
0: Do you want to make a difference and still enjoy your life outside of
1: school? Together, we can tackle the overwhelm, gain clarity, and build confidence to live the life you deserve.
0: Are you ready to be inspired? We can't wait to explore ways to improve your work life and home life so that you can live your best life.
1: We hear it all the time. We should be practicing self-care. But what are the methods? Yoga, meditation, journaling, practicing gratitude, coffee drinks, scented candles, bubble baths, steam showers... Then, of course, there's luxury sheets and those gorgeous planners with the beautiful quotes and the inspirational stickers. These are all things that may make you feel good for a few minutes. There's nothing wrong with any of them. Some of these might actually be real self-care for you. Others may just be small tokens that help you cope but aren't necessarily self-care. Knowing the difference is the key. Many self-care strategies give us the illusion of control or the illusion of relaxation. They're helping us deal with the symptoms of our exhaustion and burnout, but they're not necessarily helping us deal with the cause of it. It's like continually taking aspirin for a headache and never trying to figure out why you have a headache in the first place. To make it even worse, if you can't manage to get enough self-care in your ever-growing to-do list, sometimes not doing that self-care feels like one more failure in your life.
0: Paula, well, I can totally relate to that because I have felt like a self-care failure many times. I know the guilt, the feelings, what's wrong with me because I don't like self-care or it's not working for me. For example, I know you love a massage and you love a spa day. I have to say, I don't like a massage <laughs> I don't find it relaxing. I find it stressful. I find being in a spa very unnerving and uncomfortable. It is not self-care for me. I've thought, what's wrong with me that I don't even like self-care and it's adding more stress to my life
1: i have a really good friend who cannot do yoga she knows yoga is great for her all of our friends talk about how relaxing it is but this particular friend loves to be really active in her exercise she likes to feel like she's getting something out of it and yoga just kills her it is the exact opposite of self-care for her give her a game of basketball with her kids or volleyball in the backyard and her soul is filled that is her self-care Like you said, self-care is not the same for each person.
0: Self-care can cause a lot of guilt because we feel like if it isn't working, we're to blame. Let's take that a step further and talk about faux self-care. You've probably never thought of it this way before, but self-care has actually become an industry. It is now a product that is marketed and sold. It is everywhere. For example, we use Canva for our graphics for all of the work that we do in our business. And there are thousands of photos when you click on self-care. Sometimes I'm not even looking for self-care, but the photos pop up of the woman relaxing in a spa with running water in the background and cucumbers on her eyes. Every time I look for a photo, that sort of image pops up. So I know that they're really popular or they wouldn't be creating so many of them. Instagram has dozens of different self-care hashtags. The hashtag self-care has 73 million posts as of this morning. Clearly, we are all looking for self-care help. In her book, Real Self-Care, Dr. Pooja Lakshman discusses the self-care problem. We have massive focus on self-care and thousands of products available to help, and yet it doesn't seem to be working. Dr. Lakshman describes the current state of self-care as faux self-care, self-care that is incomplete at best and manipulative at worst. I'd like to connect this to the current song called Victoria's Secret by Jacks. you don't know the song, it's a young woman. She is singing about how Victoria's Secret told girls that they were fat. And if you didn't have a three inch thigh gap, that something was wrong with your body, then tried to sell fancy underwear that would make you feel good about yourself. She sings that it's really an old man who lives in Ohio who's making money off of girls like me. She wishes she hadn't been succumbing to this thought process that it was a market. It was make them feel bad. And then and sell something that will make them feel good. Sometimes I think the self-care industry is like that. Dr. Pooja compares faux self-care to empty calories, devoid of substance. It's like a quick sugar high. It feels good in the moment, but it isn't nourishing you in the long haul. Most of the things that we think of as self-care are really faux self-care. There's nothing wrong with these activities. There's nothing wrong with these products, but they are remedies, not the way to fix the problem.
1: When they're selling you this faux self-care, the people are smiling, they're happy, they're always healthy, the background music will be calming, and the beach waves are washing up behind them. And subconsciously, when we're watching that, we think, if we indulge in that product, our lives are going to be like that all of the time but that's not the case. What we all want is that sense that this is going to be permanent, but so many of these remedies are temporary. We've all bought that product before that we thought it's going to transform my life and then we feel disappointed when it doesn't
0: quite a few years ago, I joined a weight loss group and we had regular meetings. After a while, all the meetings seemed to be about people trying to make chocolate cake with less calories. They were saying you could use applesauce or we can mash up bananas and then it wouldn't have so many calories. But I kept thinking this is not the answer to my problem. Finally, one day they're talking about new ways to create desserts with fewer calories and I just sort of shouted out, I don't want to make chocolate cake with less calories. I want to stop craving cake. And everyone stared at me. I felt like a total failure. Like, what is wrong with you? Now I realize that I was not looking for a quick temporary fix. I was looking for a deeper solution to the problem. Why do I want cake all the time? Why am I craving sweets? I then did not understand about insulin, which now I understand is part of the answer to that problem. All I knew was you're giving me less calories in my cakes, but that is not going to fix this problem for me. In her book, Dr. Laxman says that real self-care is an inside job, and it's different for every single person. Once you figure out what you need, it changes your self-image, your relationships, your workplace, and even your community. What we have to do is stop focusing just on the symptoms and also focus on the root causes.
1: What is real self-care? first real self-care is a verb not a noun and it's connected to your internal decision making and the choices that you make in your life real self-care allows you to get your needs met in your relationships in your family and in your work real self-care brings you closer to yourself and what is most important to you dr Lakshman says Real self-care is not a one-stop shop like a fancy spa retreat or a journaling app. It's an internal process that involves making difficult decisions that will pay off tenfold in the long run as a life built around the relationships and activities that matter most to you. Real self-care involves these things, setting boundaries, learning to treat yourself with compassion making choices that will bring you closer to your true self and living a life that is aligned with your values. This requires asking some really tough questions and making some difficult choices. It also requires that we examine our relationships that bring us guilt and shame.
0: The biggest question to focus on is why, understanding why you are doing something. For example, two different people choose to take a yoga class for self-care. Mandy signs up because her friends are all into yoga, and so she thinks she should get in on it too. She finds a nice escape from her stressful life for an hour a couple times a week. It's social, and she likes being with her friends, so she keeps going. When her friends can't attend, she doesn't go either, and she doesn't really miss it. She is experiencing faux self-care. Trisha also takes a yoga class. She goes once a week, but she wishes she could go more. She loves the quiet, contemplation, and she's always leaving feeling deeply nourished. Trisha's yoga is true self-care. It's not about the method, the activity, or the product you buy. It is about what the experience does for you. One person's piano practice is painful and boring. Another person's piano practice is fulfilling and life-giving. And I'll give you an example, the scented candles. I went to Waco to the whole Joanna Gaines extravaganza, that is Waco. And there is an entire store there with nothing in it but candles. They are beautiful candles, gorgeously packaged with fancy names, fancy labels, and fancy scents. I went into that store and I could not believe the number of people who were walking out with all of these really expensive candles. I wasn't understanding what was going on, but I knew this has something to do with self-care. Maybe I should be buying some scented candles because I would feel better about my life. And now I realize one person's candle is a pleasant orange scent. It's nice. It smells good. Another person's candle is the brand her mother always had burning when she came home from school. So when she comes home from school and lights her candle, it reminds her of her mom and the happy time that they spent talking about their day. And it makes her home feel warm, inviting, and safe. One person's candle is faux self-care. Another person's candle is deeply nourishing. Real self-care is less about adding things to your life than about understanding your place in the world and what you need to walk through the world feeling fulfilled.
1: How do you find what real self-care looks like for you? Here are some things you can do to answer that question. First, align your actions with your values. To do that, you need to get in touch with your values. Take a values assessment your values are your heart's deepest desires they include descriptions of how you want to live interact with the world feel when you are with yourself knowing your values helps to eliminate the shoulds in your life the things you should do and instead helps you to focus on what is right for you your values are what is unique about you they're as unique as your fingerprint When you align with your values, you'll be doing fewer things that matter most to other people and more of the things that matter most to you. Holding your values and working within them is always self-nourishing. If you want to do some really good activities to help you clarify your values, there are a ton of helpful activities in the Real Self-Care book that we mentioned earlier. We'll put a link in the show notes. I'm going to give you an example. A lot of my friends like to spend a weekend at the spa. I love to spend a weekend at the spa, but they might be doing it for different reasons. So maybe when you go to the spa, you're not going because of the services. You're going because you love to spend time talking with your friends over that cucumber water, sharing childhood memories while in the sauna, or laughing over shared stories at the pool. That's where you're finding the value. You maybe don't want to spend your money on the massage. Your value comes in the quality time. But your friend may find value in the stress management in those services. They may love being pampered and having that stress massaged out of their body. That's what they value. It's a win win for both of you. You both are having your values met at the spa in a different way. But if you're going to the spa because you should go, because your friends are going, and there's no value in it for you, that's faux self care because it doesn't align with your values.
0: One of my strongest values is learning and growing. So for me, quiet time with a book is really self nourishing. I start to feel stressed if I don't get that time. So is travel, because I love to learn about new places. Travel itself isn't the value. The learning is the value. Also, quality time with my husband is a value. And so when we're traveling, I get to learn new things and spend quality time with my husband. So it very much aligns with my values. It's all about asking why, why am I doing this? What am I getting out of this? Why do I need this, crave this? Why do I want this? The answer to the question is in why, how does it align with my values? Another key to real self-care is learning to set boundaries. You have to learn to set boundaries because that's going to eliminate a lot of the stress and overwhelm from the beginning. It's getting at the problem and eliminating the problem Consider what you need and what you want. Make sure you're leaving space for that. You teach people how to treat you by what you allow or don't allow. Ask yourself, what am I teaching people about how they can and do treat me? Did you know that you can let your phone go to voicemail or your email can sit for a few hours? That will give you time to read and reflect and then you can make thoughtful decisions, not just decide something in the spur of the moment and later regret it. We've all done that. We've said yes to something and then afterwards, like, why did we do that? I didn't really want to do that, but I was on the phone with them and I couldn't figure out how to say no. So letting it go to voicemail, responding after you've had time to think is a great way to set boundaries realize that you don't have to attend everything you're invited to and your children do not have to be in every single activity. You get to choose. I want to go to that party. I don't want to go to that party. The family's going to the lake house for two weeks. I don't really want to go for two weeks. I'm going to go for one week. You get to make those kinds of decisions around your needs and your values recognize that you are not in control of how others feel or how they will react. But that is theirs to own, not yours to give to them. How they react, how they respond, how they feel, that is not on you. And I know many of us feel that deeply, like, I'm in charge of making everyone feel good. No, you're really not. That's their job. And we are taking over someone else's job when we do that. Also, do not let what others might think of you drive your decisions. Listen to your own heart and your own instincts when you're making choices. Practice with small things because sometimes setting boundaries is really hard. And if you try to set a big boundary, you're going to struggle more. So start with small things. Then you'll build up your confidence to create those bigger boundaries. Here's another quote from the book, Real Self-Care. Every boundary you set is a reminder that you have agency over how you spend your time and energy. We talk more about that in podcast episode six, Set Priorities to Take Back Your Life. So we'll link to that in the show notes.
1: If you needed it, this discussion is really your permission to go set some boundaries. The next time somebody asks you to be on that school committee that's going to meet after school on a night when your child or your niece or your nephew has a soccer game, it's okay to say no. If serving on that committee is going to make you feel guilt and resentment, you don't have to do it. The final suggestion for real self-care is to treat yourself with compassion. Self-compassion is the lens with which you view yourself. We often mistakenly think that compassion comes from the outside when we do good work, but actually compassion comes from the inside. Remind yourself that sometimes good enough is okay. A B or a C plus effort sometimes is enough. You don't always have to be on your A game. Be willing to accept help and support, love and kindness from others. As educators, so often we feel like we need to give and give. It's okay to accept that sometimes too. And we've said this in previous podcast episodes, rest isn't something that you earn. You don't have to do all these things to be able to rest. Rest is a medical necessity. Let yourself rest. Finally, we all have that inner mean voice that criticizes us. Learn to silence that voice when it's too harsh. Treat yourself with compassion.
0: To recap today's episode, true self-care is an inside job. Self-care is not a temporary escape from life's stresses. It is not a product that you can buy or a place that you can go. Real self-care is different for each of us. We find it by connecting our choices and actions to our values. Real self-care involves making difficult decisions that will pay off in the long run as we build a life around relationships and activities that matter most to us. Real self-care is very empowering.
1: In true teacher fashion, we end our podcast with homework. Our homework for you today is to have a conversation with a friend about what you learned in this podcast. Talk with them about what real self-care is to you. As always, we won't be grading your homework, but we'd love to hear how it's going. Every time you reach out to us and say, this episode had meaning, or I did the homework and here's what I learned, we love that. We read them with smiles on our face. So please tell us, how did that conversation with a friend go?
0: And if you would like a free resource to help you find real self-care, head over to inspiredtogetherteachers.com and grab our free guide to taking back your life.
1: That's all for today. Class dismissed. Thanks
0: for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, Join us on Instagram and Facebook at Inspired Together Teachers or head over to our website, InspiredTogetherTeachers.com for more podcast episodes, our award-winning blog, and free guides to help you be your best. Until next time,
1: may you be inspired in your work life and home life to live your best life.